it's just me, Rob, here. Uh, no Tiz this week. He's away for his uncle's wedding, so congratulations to Uncle Tiz from the Hurt Handbook family. But uh, we're just going to hop right into it right now with UFC 284. Me and Tiz have been talking about this literally the past couple weeks just because we felt that the UFC wasn't really promoting it the way it should have been promoted. But all that's passed now. They did a good job the week of the fight. The stuff in Australia got me hyped up too, like the press conference and the weigh-ins. So let's just hop right into the fights. So Islam Makhachev defeats Alexander Volkanovsky by unanimous decision. Uh, 248-47s and 149-46. And just for my thoughts to start, it's um, this is one of my favorite fights of all time already. And obviously I talked about last week about how just how excited I was to see these two guys who were in the midst of their primes fight and, you know, why this should be one of the most hyped up fights in UFC history. And there's just so many factors. Like both these guys are such high level athletes and I think they both showed a lot about themselves and their character. So, I mean, I guess I'll talk about how I scored the fight. Um, Some people had problems with the scoring, which... I guess I kind of understand. Like it was a close fight, a couple of those rounds, especially two and three, were really close. But um, at the same time, I gave Islam rounds one, two, and four. I thought two, like I said, two and three were debatable, but me personally, one, two, and four for Islam. And just everything about this fight was so good. Like the fact that it was so close, the Australian crowd was just so awesome. I mean, even in uh, Jane Malarkey's fight. Um, they were chanting his name and all that. And Jack Della Maddalena, they were singing TNT with him on the walkout, which was dope. And same thing with Volkanovski. When he was walking out, they uh, had Down Under playing. And obviously the crowd was singing along with him. Well, not really with him, but you guys get what I mean. <laughs> but um, back to the technical aspect of the fight. I thought the first round was interesting because both of the guys did really well. Like Volkanovski, he did a little bit better on the feet, if you ask me. And I think statistically... Yeah, statistically, he outlanded him uh, 11 to 10, so not by much. But um, then in the middle of that round, though, Islam kind of was getting some control. He wasn't really doing much with it, but at the same time, he was kind of neutralizing Volkanovski's striking. So because of like the control and just the close nature of the striking, I leaned towards Islam in that round, and I think a lot of people kind of did. But then round two is kind of where it gets interesting because it was really close. Both guys performed amazingly on the feet and on the ground. Volkanovski's grappling defense is outstanding. I mean, we were talking about it uh, in our preview of this fight, which you can still check out, by the way. Me and Tiz definitely nailed it with this one. The only thing we got wrong was our the pick itself on Volkanovski. But the way I put it last week, I saw it was 51-49 on this one. So, I don't know. Well, you guys can think of that what you will. But then round two, obviously, they both rocked each other. Just like in round one, too. Like, isn't that crazy that they both kind of were hurting each other throughout the fight? And I don't know, just besides really Islam's one moment in that round, I thought that Volk was doing better just slightly everywhere. And that's kind of why I leaned towards him in round two. But then round three is another one that was really close. And similarly to round two, I thought both guys performed really well, but just Islam edged him out a little bit. A little bit more with the, the grappling, obviously, because he was. It. I just didn't like how people were saying Islam was being boring per se and like just 
because he wasn't. Like, he wasn't just holding him up against the cage. If you watch that fight, most of the time when he's up against the cage with Volkanovski, he's trying to lock up uh, some hooks on his legs so he can take his back or just take him down with it and just like kind of trip him. Because Islam's known more for his trips. Like Habib was more of like a guy who would take you down up against the cage using your legs. But Islam's good everywhere, man. Like his grappling is just outstanding. I think his grappling is more technical than Habib's in a way. Although both of them are just outlandishly good. But I think the best example of that, honestly, was in round four when I think, yeah, it was round four. Um, they were in the center and Volkanovski was pressuring him heavy and Islam just turned so quick on a double leg and took him down in the center. And to Volkanovski's credit, he got back to the fence, but he couldn't really do much else just from the position he fell into. But the takedown that Islam hit Volk with was just so nasty. Like Even in the moment, I was like, ooh, because... It's just incredible. I love watching high-level MMA. I've said this before. Like, you know, I love a good, like, just brawl like anybody else. But at the same time, like, when two guys are just the best of the best in all forms of mixed martial arts like these two are, I thought that this fight was just an incredible showcase of the sport. But then you go to round five. And at this point, I kind of had it 39-37 Islam going into the fifth. So I kind of figured that Volk needed a finish. But... I wasn't really sure, especially due to like the hometown aspect of it. You never know what the judges are going to do in Australia. But um, round five was interesting because Volk just dominated him really in every way. Like He had outstanding takedown defense throughout. The grappling looked good. He even controlled Islam up against the cage. And um, I think it's, it's important to note how I think both of these guys proved something in this fight. Like Volkanovski... He proved that his grappling is right up there with anybody's. I mean, if you're defending takedowns and getting up from a guy like Islam Makhachev, that's impressive, and you can't hate on that no matter what you say. And for Islam's sake, he just beat the pound-for-pound number one fighter and you know, technically eclipses that throne now. So I just think it's incredible, honestly. I think it's incredible. Islam Makhachev, he really proved himself. Even though at the end of the fight, it, it, I let me talk about this fifth round a little bit. At the end of the fight, it was kind of weird because I thought that Volk was down already going in. So I was like, he needs a knockout. But then at the end of that round, he was just brutally, like just pummeling Islam on the ground. And because of that, it was like, it was 10-9, but he still didn't have it even on my scorecard. So I was worried. And then, obviously, they read the scorecards in Islam one unanimously. I'm not mad at the 48-47s. That's how I had it. The 49-46 is kind of outrageous. I don't know how they came to that one. But then again, a lot of close rounds in this fight. I just think Volkanovski proved that his gas tank is definitely superior to Islam's, at least right now. I mean, I'm sure Islam's going to get back in the gym, and he realizes that. So, and then it's just weird. Isn't it weird to like have a guy win a fight, but then he won the fight, but he was getting dominated at the end of it, and another round, maybe even another minute of that fight, and he might have even gotten finished by Volkanovski. So it's definitely interesting to think about, but at the same time, you can't take anything away from Islam. He won that fight fair and square. I had him winning it cleanly. And while I think that some of those rounds were close, I think Islam proved himself and proved that he's... Number one pound for pound. And Volkanovski, I mean, how can you hate on a guy for chasing greatness? And he came up just short. But I think in a rematch, it'd be another interesting fight, just like this one was. But for now, this fight was one of the best that I think I've 
really ever seen in terms of like just high level fighters just putting it all out there on the cage. I think they truly brought the best out of each other in their training camps and then obviously inside the cage too because that was incredible. I don't think anybody at 155 or 145 challenges those two quite like either of them did to each other last night. So Islam's number one pound for pound for now. We'll see if there's a rematch and we'll see honestly what happens next month because if John Jones beats Surreal Gone, he has a legitimate claim at that throne. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. Volkanovski versus Islam wasn't the only title fight on this card. Obviously, we it was a bit overshadowed in the promotion. And it's, I shouldn't say rightfully so, but I do get it. Because Volk versus Islam is one of the biggest fights that the company can make. I've said this before. And it sh should have been really promoted like that. And it kind of wasn't the last minute, but I think this fight could have definitely been built further. But anyway, just because of the nature of the main event, pound for pound number one versus number two, I think that this interim featherweight title fight got overshadowed a little bit because Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett is a fight. And the fight was honestly pretty fun while it lasted. It was only, um, I think it only went into the second round, but it was cool because Yair Rodriguez showed how just versatile his striking is and those body kicks that he was landing on Emmett throughout the fight were nasty but besides that I just think it was I don't know if you should say it was like a lack of good strategy but like Emmett's Emmett was only throwing looping shots and I get that it was it's kind of hard for a guy like Emmett to throw jabs at a striker like Yair Rodriguez but at the same time, he wasn't really doing well when he was throwing them like on the offensive. But he seemed to be doing better when he was countering with them, which was pretty awesome. Like He did hurt Yair, I think, a couple times in there with his punches. But at the same time, Yair's body kicks were definitely doing a lot of damage, along with the leg kicks and everything else. And then on the ground, the scrambles were really fun, too, because Josh Emmett is a good wrestler, as we know. And he was landing some nice grounded pound on Yair Rodriguez, but eventually the just the elbows off of Yair's back were just doing so much damage. And eventually just Emmett landed in Yair's guard. And they, it was funny too because they were talking about how Yair would use his offensive guard to uh, create different opportunities throughout this fight. And almost right after they were done talking about it, boom, he throws up a triangle and wins the interim featherweight title. And for Josh Emmett, it stinks because I think he's 37 or 38 now. But for Yair Rodriguez, this sets up a title fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. And this is awesome because now Yair's stock is at an all-time high. Volkanovsky's stock is at an all-time high. So we know when these two meet to unify the title. I like Yair Rodriguez's idea of maybe possibly doing it in Mexico. But anywhere where they do this fight, it'll be a fun one, especially on the feet with these two. But I don't know. I, I can't pick against Volkanovsky, honestly. Can't do it. So... Uh, my pick is already in, most likely, but I think Yair will definitely help put on a good show, no matter how close or far apart that this fight is. But besides Yair, and uh, there were there were a couple of pretty good fights on this card besides the two title fights that ended up like living up to the hype. Jack Della Maddalena, he was hyped up coming in because obviously he's one of the best prospects at 170 right now. His boxing is incredible. He only showed that again in this fight. Just by the way, he was able to cut off Randy Brown with his footwork and just piece him up on the feet. It was just incredible. And everything about this fight was awesome. I'm a big Jack Della Maddalena fan myself. I'm glad that he's starting to get like the love that he deserves. 
and he wants a ranked opponent next. And I can't dispute that. I think he should definitely get a ranked opponent. And the thing that interests me about him is that he says he wants a challenge. Like, so he doesn't necessarily want another stand-up guy. He wants anybody who can challenge him. And personally, there's a lot of guys who I could think of that could definitely be a challenge. Sean Brady was the first one that really popped into my mind. Uh, he does have a fight scheduled, though, with Michelle Pajeda. So born, I, maybe he can fight the winner of that fight. I think that would be really interesting because Pajeda, I think, is ranked, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double-check so I'm not wrong. Yeah, Pajeda's 14, and Sean Brady is number 8. So I think that if da Jack Della Maddalena were to face the winner of that fight, I think that um, it would be a pretty good matchup. I don't know who would win if he fought Sean Brady, but if he fights Pajeda, I don't think I'm going to be picking against Jack Della Maddalena anytime soon against a striker. So think of that. As you will. Let me know in the comments below, honestly, what you guys think of uh, Jack Della Maddalena's future and maybe some other matchups that you think that he could have. But besides that, there were some good finishes. Justin Taffa, Josh Kulabau, to name a couple. Like I said before, Jamie Malarkey had a nice uh, performance and the crowd for him was awesome. You know, they were chanting his name throughout Jamie Malarkey. And I think that's, kind of, I think that's funny. There's something beautiful about a whole nation chanting a, na a man with the last name of Malarkey. But no disrespect to Jamie. I'm a big fan of his. I love how he fights. But one guy I'm, I think I'm becoming a fan of that I'm going to definitely keep an eye on is Jack Jenkins. And this was his UFC debut. First of all, like they were advertising, his leg kicks are absolutely terrifying. I think they said he broke the legs of like his last three opponents or three opponents in his career. Either way, to break three legs at any level is outstanding. And if it was his last three, that's even more terrifying. But he's just really good all around. Like He had pretty good approach. Even on the feet, he was landing a lot. On the ground, he was doing pretty well. But Don Shannis, I think it is, fought very well against him. You know, Didn't let that hype make him fold. And he fought well. He had some good moments. But in the end, Jack Jenkins, that's a guy I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. So I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. It is not fun talking to myself into a camera. I enjoy it a lot when Tiz is sitting here making some conversation with me. I love talking about MMA with the boys. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about some UFC news. One thing that's sort of related to the card, so I'll start with this. Jens Pulver, first UFC lightweight champion ever. And honestly, one of my favorite OG fighters. His season of The Ultimate Fighter with BJ Penn, season five, is probably my favorite in the show's history. And Jens is a big reason of that. Jens Pulver is an amazing human being. I think he's really incredible. He, you could tell he definitely cared a lot about his guys in that season. And in general, too. Like You could just see the emotion pouring out of him when he uh, found out, obviously, that he was... And being inducted into the Hall of Fame, just the way he was crying and he was, you know, holding his son. That was just an amazing moment. I'm glad that the UFC got to do that for him because, you know, you've heard in the past that Jens Pulver is, it's complicated with him because um, he's felt a little bit slighted at times, not necessarily by the UFC. They were kind of talking about this during the broadcast, but it's, I think the MMA fans and even us, maybe at the, at some points when we're talking about the lightweight division, we could bring a guy like Jens Pulver up more because he's a true pioneer of the sport. I mean, the light lighter weight classes wouldn't have really been a thing without a guy like him, without BJ Penn, Kauno, people like that. And Jens Pulver will always be 
the first UFC lightweight champion. You know, the thing about championships in combat sports is they're always changing hands. It doesn't matter who you are. You're either going to lose, you're going to vacate. Something's going to happen. You're not always going to have that title. But you can never take the title of first UFC lightweight champion away from Jens Pulver. So congratulations to him. And like I said, that was such a cool moment to see on the broadcast and on his Twitch stream. Just incredible moment with him and his son. So, and besides that, you know, there's a couple of things that were uh, announced recently. Kevin Lee is re-signing with the UFC. That's actually something that Tiz brought up to me that I didn't even realize, which is kind of cool. I like that Kevin Lee's coming back. I thought that he was always good enough to stay in the UFC. He's just kind of been dealt a tough hand, a lot of injuries, and he's been matched up against good guys. I think he lost to Daniel Rodriguez on his, in his final fight in the UFC, so that's not exactly a bad name to lose to, and if I go on his topology, let's see like what his resume is looking like. I know he beat Diego Sanchez in um, Eagle FC. I'm not sure whatever happened to Eagle FC. That's a weird thing there. But back to his resume. Yeah, he lost to Daniel Rodriguez. And then before that, he lost to Charles Oliveira. So the former champ. And before that, if you guys remember that nasty head kick that he had on the Masvidal versus Diaz card against Gregor Gillespie. That's one of my favorite knockouts of the past few years, that's for damn sure. But last thing I want to talk about before uh, we go now is kind of previewing next week. Um, next week, obviously, is Aaron Blanchfield's first UFC main event, which is awesome for her. And slight change of plans, as she's not fighting Talia Santos anymore, she's fighting Jessica Andrade. And I do think that this is a tougher fight for her. I don't know... I don't know about the ground because Talia Santos is tough with her jiu-jitsu and Blanchfield's jiu-jitsu is top tier. I truly believe that. And it could compete with the best of the best even today. And I think we're going to have an opportunity to see that against Jessica Andrade if Andrade chooses to grapple or if she can't defend Blanchfield's takedown attempts. But at the same time, I think Blanchfield should probably tread lightly on the feet. She definitely has underrated striking, but... Andrade is no joke on the feet. I think she's one of the better strikers in that division from her pure power and speed alone. I mean, we saw what she did to Lauren Murphy. So if your movement isn't on point, Andrade can really make you pay for it with her hands. She's so good on the feet, and she's good on the ground too, but I, I think Blanchfield definitely has the edge there. So it'll be an interesting clash of styles because I think both, both fighters are good in their respective ways. And besides that, I'm going to look up the card real quick to see what other fights we have on the card. I know our guy Zach Pauga is making his, well, technically the tough finale was his debut, but Zach Pauga is making his like legitimate UFC debut at 205 versus, um, versus Jordan Wright. And I'm excited for that fight. I think that Zach Pauga is going to put a whooping on him. And rugby is the best base for combat sports. Shout out to Alex Volkanovsky. <laughs> so... Let's break down this card a little bit further. Besides those two fights that I was talking about, we got Josh Parisian versus Jamal Pogas. That's a pretty good fight. Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. I'm excited for that. OSP versus Felipe Linz. So a little bit of a sleeper card. There's some good ones on this, but that main event and the co-main event are going to be two amazing fights. I think that Blanchfield is one of the best rising stars in this sport, and I truly believe that she'll be champion at some point, possibly even some point soon. And for Zach Pauga, I was saying this during the first season of Talking Tough that I think he's going to be really successful in the UFC. 
And now that he's fighting in his natural weight class at 205, I think him versus Jordan Wright, that's going to be a fun matchup. Because Jordan Wright is, everybody knows Jordan Wright, the Beverly Hills Ninja. He's always going to put on a show in there. And I think a guy who has like clean technical striking like Pauga, I think he can land one of those counters and really hurt Jordan Wright if he pleases. So be on the lookout for Zach Pauga and Aaron Blanchfield on this card because I think it's going to be a good one. This is definitely a sleeper. And Tiz will be back with me next week to talk about it. So see you guys then.